We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get, so let's get to some questions here, Ryan, and and uh, we'll we'll address some of the things you guys bring up. Uh, so Irish and Chi Town said, Ryan, is there a difference and dif- or or difficulty in recruiting in Texas uh, compared to other states? I mean, to other states, I, I mean, th- obviously that's just a little broad, right? So like, it, it's going to be more difficult than recruiting Illinois kids, right? I mean, because that's like just your your stopping ground. That's your like immediate area. That's so Your let's backyard. compare it to the other, the the, the East Coast to Florida right. down the South, mm-hmm. out to California, which sure. would be the tougher areas. So yeah. let's compare it to that, right? So let's compare it to that. I don't think it's that much more difficult than any of those areas. And I'm like processing it, right? Because it's we we have we've talked to literally parents of recruits, Brian, in the state of Texas that have said that they appreciate Notre Dame yes. a ton, you know, and. So I, I think that, like you said, when you're getting closer to Florida, for the most part, the education, I think, limits some things at points, right? Like the academic side is is becomes a question mark in some areas. But So I think that Houston does hit all sides at a decent rate. So I, I, I'd say that it's easier than California, for instance, right? Like I'd say it's on par with like the East Coast. I, I don't think that. I don't think that Texas is that daunting of a task for Notre Dame. I just think it was a lack of attention, not a lack of yeah. not a level of difficulty. The only the only reason I would I would I'd have to think about California just because of the success Notre Dame's had over the years. I think the difference now for me is California's just not producing the kind of talent. The last couple of years hasn't produced the volume of talent to that degree. Yeah. Part of the difficulty in recruiting a big state is or a state with talent is the volume. Like in Louisiana. Once you get past the top ten, it's just you know it's a drop off relative to where Texas is. But sure. you know, top ten Louisiana can you can put up against anybody. The difference is you could get a guy that's ranked thirtieth in Texas, who's you know would be top five in a, a lot of states, right? And so Crazy. you can't Texas and Texas A&M can't take all those kids. So I think the volume helps there. We've talked about this before, Ryan. I think that there is a you're going to find a lot more academic fits in Texas than you will in Florida. 
I think that's something that's helped them in Georgia in recent years is there's a lot of really good schools in the state of Georgia, especially private schools. And the other thing that helps too, Ryan, compared to Louisiana and not so much the last couple of years, but Louisiana and 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 because Al- Alabama pound for pound is one of the better states in the country. Just Agree. Popu- NFL per population, like Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana are very underrated states when you just per capita per you know whatever. And New Jersey, New Jersey, <laughs> New Jersey is a pretty good state in that regard. For being honest, but it yeah. is. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, the the thing about it is is in like in Florida for example you've got Florida Florida State Miami and the entire SEC recruiting that area oh, don't forget about and, UCF <laughs> in Alabama you've got not so much Auburn I mean I think Notre Dame could beat Auburn for a kid if that's who their competition was but you've got Bama you know Louisiana LSU's you know up until recently is, is I mean, it's up until Brian Kelly showed up it was even with Orgeron it was still hard to get kids out of Louisiana you know uh, I, I didn't mean that as a shot I'm just that's just the reality of the situation. No. And Texas, you know, you, you take advantage. Look, Texas and AM have both been down for a long time. I mean, AM hasn't won a title, like a real title, in my lifetime. I don't, I, I the, only, the best teams they ever had got smacked every year in the Cotton Bowl by Notre Dame. They're going to you know be ranked I mean? top five every year, though, from here on out. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's not like a, that's not, you can't compare Texas AM to Alabama and Georgia and, you know, Florida type of thing. Sure. And, and then Texas is, has, been tough but like they've had some really bad coaches and i think what notre dame has done is they've this was such an important year in, in texas ryan mm-hmm. because if steve sarkeesian is the coach that i think he is i don't know what your thoughts are on sark but i thought he did a good job at washington i think he was on the verge of doing a better job at usc than than, than his predecessor clearly he had some personal demons he was going through right sure a really messy divorce led to some drinking and there's, it's an unfortunate situation. And I actually like coach Sark and I've heard a lot of good things about him and he's the kind really of guy st- he is. And he's, he's a really smart offensive yeah. guy. And I, I even, I, I, I also really liked him at, at university of Washington. And yeah. I thought he was going to do a good job at USC. Yeah. Just, you know, and, unfortunate. Inherited Ty Willingham's Owen 12 program and, and built him into a, a solid team. Yeah, I think he's learned a lot of lessons as a man and as a coach from some of his failures working under Nick Saban. I think he's learned some things. I think he's going to do really well there. If you didn't make an impact in Texas this year, it was not going to happen. And the reason I say that is, is because if you can keep the three kids in Texas that you have, and I have zero doubt that they're going to keep the guys that they have now. I mean, Peyton Bowen's the only one that we have any concern about. And my concern now is not what it was a month ago, right? Braylon James isn't going anywhere. I don't see Micah Bell going anywhere. I mean, they already have, he already has a Texas offer. You know what I mean? Like, so they're not, if you can get Jaden Greathouse, you now have four kids from the state of Texas on your roster now mm-hmm. that know all the top kids next year, Micah Hudson and all those top guys. So Texas is going to be much harder to get kids out of moving forward. Sure. The reason that Texas has been much easier to recruit lately and why Notre Dame missed a ton of opportunities is simply because Texas and AM haven't been that good and they didn't take advantage of it. And, and of course, you kind of have to kind of include Oklahoma because they're basically de facto in state school in regards to how they recruit the state. You know what I mean? But still, even then, I mean, Oklahoma beat Notre Dame for kids, but you should have got a kid or two a year out of Texas. If you don't get a kid or two a year out of Texas, you're not doing it right. Agree. It would have been harder to do that moving forward with the very top guys, right? I mean, because think about it. Notre Dame's going to get three kids from Texas. If they get Jaden Greathouse, they're going to get four kids from Texas, and every single one is ranked as a top hundred player nationally by at least one recruiting service. Yep, that it's high level talent. That has been a little harder to get out of Texas. 
in my sure. opinion. And it's going to get even harder with if Steve Sarkeesian wins there. But what makes it easier is that you've established a track record, as Ryan said, a pipeline. Yep. So when those kids visit next year, Michael Hudson's going to see some familiar faces if Notre Dame convince him to come on campus for a visit. That he plays seven-on-seven seven ball with, exactly. right? Like, Works out with, trains with, you know what yeah. I mean? And he knows they're going to tell him the honest truth about what it's like playing at Notre Dame. 100%. And I think it's, I think that's very important. Very important. Agree completely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife is the coffee drinker in our house. So when I told her about trying out Trade Coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey Trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. Matt D says, it's nice to see a kid with ridiculous recovery speed. Imagine how he will be once he gets technique down. 100%. Yeah. And Matt, happy anniversary, buddy. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Uh, Toe Jam 1992, B. Ryan, is he going to lose, talking about Micah Bell, is he going to lose some speed when he hits the Bayless bulk up? I, I mean, so this is the thing, right? Usually speed stays relative to a player as long as you don't over bulk them, right? Like you don't play with an outside of their frame. I think that one thing that Bell has is I don't think Bell's length is that bad. I think that he's a 5'10 type of kid with 
probably 30 inch arms, 31 inch arms. Like it's not terrible length in that regard. And he's a skinny kid all the way around. Right. So he might be 160 something pounds, but he can hold a substantial amount of weight. Like he's a skinny kid. There's room to grow in that regard. So Toe Jam, as long as you don't bulk him too much, you're not going to sacrifice the athleticism. He should be able to maintain it as his body continues to mature. I think the other thing too, Ryan, you have to look at track record. Right, like some strength programs for football, they they put too much weight on kids. It's all about power and explosiveness, and some kids lose speed. That right. was something that we saw a little bit, sort of at the, during the Davy era, as you'd see some of these kids, like when they had Mickey uh, Marotti. Now, I think he's altered his plan mm-hmm. as he's worked with the years with, with Urban Meyer, and, and they've gone away from some of the bulkiness. But if you go back and look at Notre Dame every year, they'd have they'd have players like that were in the top 10 every year in the vertical jump. I remember like one year, I think like Tyreo Harrison on like a 40 inch vertical Rocky Boyman had a great, a crazy vertical, but they weren't, they had bad movement skills. They were tight. They'd get real tight hip. We saw that under Ruben Mendoza when he was here under Charlie, right? You saw it. Guys would get really tight hipped guys that weren't necessarily tight hip coming in because of the way that they were, they built the stretching and then the lifting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We haven't seen that under, under Matt Bayless. The kids at Notre Dame, like every year there's some kid at Notre Dame that everybody's like, whoa, where'd that guy come from? And, and it's never just right? the 40. Yeah. It's the board, <laughs> the vertical, it's the broad, it's the shuttle. Like Kevin, like Miles Boykin and Kevin Austin had stupid three cone drills. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't that guy doesn't Kevin's, Kevin's he, took me yeah. off guard, man. I could big guys. It. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and the 40 times and all that kind of stuff. And so um to me, those things are 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 things that I look at and say. There's no track record, um, in my opinion, of of there being this problem for Notre Dame, right? So that's the other reason, too. I think this is a fair question if you're just talking generally. But yeah. in my regard, it's not something that, that there's been any kind of issue with. Like even Sean Crawford, after three de- devastating injuries, still ran in the four fours. Under he tested Matt well. He yes, tested he did. really well. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Um, for comparison, too, I think it's pretty funny to think about because Kevin Austin, if I remember right, correctly, ran six seven something in the three cone, right? And then we, you just talked about Ronald Darby a few minutes ago, and he ran six nine, and we're talking mm-hmm. about a much different body type, right? Yeah. Like they, Notre Dame has some dudes, and they, they yeah. know how to develop from a flexibility yep. perspective. And we don't see that. We don't see them losing that when they go through the program. So, yep. in general, fair question, but that's the nice thing that's that leads us that makes us happy about. Matt Bayless says we don't see that for him. Randy Hernandez with a super chat. Randy, thank you very, very much. He says, Brian, thanks for what you and your guys do to get info to us. Appreciate that very much, Randy. I know Ryan yesterday, what was it, uh, dealing with a little bit of an ill baby, if it's okay for me to say that, but yet he's still texting me. He's like, hey, I got to, you know, one day he said, I got to take Jewel. He's got a one-year-old daughter. I'd take her to the doctor. And he's, I know he's at the doctor and I'm getting texts from him. But hey, I just talked to so-and-so. I'm like, dude. You know, but that's just who he is. So he works hard. I know Sean Styers puts a lot, he's putting a lot into his early start. Uh, you know, Sean Davis and Vince and and Devin's, you know, he hasn't run a whole lot yet, but when he does, Ryan, it's really good. Uh, mm-hmm. so we definitely have a hard working staff. And and look, I thank all of you, and it's stuff like this from Randy that has allowed us to grow to the point that we I can bring Ryan on. And it's not just me and Vince all the time. It's me and Vince and obviously Ryan and Sean and Sean and Devin and so we appreciate all of you. We appreciate all of you very much. You all are the reasons we're able to kind of continue to do this, right? Is so we can do this. So Ryan can be on the show tonight, not have his second job because he needs a second job to pay the mortgage. You know, right. we're, we're able to, he's able to focus on this. And again, that's, that's because of y'all. 
And we really appreciate that very, very much. Got a super chat from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. The game of tag between Notre Dame and Ohio State recruiting rankings. Notre Dame is back on top. What a breath of fresh air the staff is. And look, I don't know if they're going to finish ahead of Ohio State. They're going to be right there, though. But the fact is, is this has never been in a conversation before. It's never been a conversation where this deep into their classes where Notre Dame's got 17, Ohio State's got 16, where they're both kind of getting near the end game of their classes where Notre Dame's in the ballpark. Notre Dame would always start way ahead, like 12 guys. Ohio State have like four. And by the time Ohio State got to the same numbers, like they were way ahead of Notre Dame. So, yeah, I don't know if they're going to finish ahead or finish behind or whatever the case may be, but they're going to finish close. And I think they got a shot to finish ahead. You have, you have to be in the conversation in order to finish, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And that's the thing that's that, like he said, it's what a breath of fresh air the staff is. And, and it's not just because they loaded up at one position, not just the D line class, the O line class. It's they have a great safety class. They now they have a, they have a great start now to corner and potentially have a really strong corner class. They, you know, they got the tight end that they wanted. They got a good running back. You know, hope the receiver class is really good. And right now, you hope that you can continue to fill that up. You got really nice one two punch at linebacker, you know, where continue to build on that so it's it's hitting all those notes ryan is really the key you got to be able to hit on all the notes and so far they're doing that yep let manager one with super chat thank you very very much for this assuming that christian gray commits monday can you compare the gray bell combo to what a justin rett gray combo would have been this is a really good question i like that he said he he didn't say rett gray he said or i thought he was going to say rett bell Mm. But instead, the 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 bell. So it's basically looking at it's like you're going to get gray either way, right? That's the premise. But the difference is, you know, you instead of Rhett, you've landed Bell. I think that's right. a fair way to look at it. Yes. So uh, so Ryan, I'll ask, I'll kick this to you. So assuming that Christian Gray commits on Monday, and we'll just for the sake of this, so that way Ryan doesn't have to preface a million times. Like I'm not saying he's going to commit or whatever, but. So for the pre- pre- premise of this question, we all assume that, that Christian Bell is going to come in on Monday for the sake of argument so that Ryan can answer the question without having to, a lot of million premises of prefaces of, of we're not saying that he is or isn't. So how would you compare the, the Christian Gray, Micah Bell combo in mm-hmm. that scenario to a, Chris, a Justin Rhett, Christian Gray combo? I think the best way to start is actually, I'm going to start with the Rhett Gray combo because those guys are both, Six foot, six foot one, somewhere in those ballpark, and somewhere in that ballpark, they have a little more length, obviously, than a Micah Bell, for instance, right? There is something to be said, though, because we've talked a lot about Justin Rett, really talented player. I mean, he's got long speed, he's incredibly, he's got length. It's it's all good, really good stuff. Gray and Rett are similar players in the sense that they have the length, they have some versatility to play different coverages. I think both guys can get by whether you're talking about in the boundary or to the field. So you don't really have to flip as much with those guys, in my opinion, gray and bell. I think though, they really play off of each other well. And because they're very different football players, right? Cause Christian gray is long. He's very savvy. He understands how to play the game. He's got all the athletic traits as well, but Micah bell is a high upside dude. As far as, explosiveness the technique is raw right now but he is Denzel Ward-ish while I would say Christian Gray is more like a Garyon Conley if we can go kind of mm-hmm. to an Ohio State comp for a second right so I don't think that either is better than the other necessarily 
I think that it's just difference, right? When in the in the first one that they have potential to get in Christian Gray and Mike DeBell, those guys play off of each other and they're very different football players. While I think Rhett and Gray are a little more similar than the first combo. So it's just it's just gonna be a little bit of a different combination yeah. as far as stylistic approaches. I think one thing is you're getting two really quality students as well, which helps in the great bell combo. But to Ryan's point, I think you're I think you have more versatility with what you can do coverage wise with a gray bell combo. Look, I'd have been perfectly fine with a Rhett Gray combo. This is this is not a Justin Rett's a good football player. I'll say this. I think that I had probably more question marks with him than I did with others for some other reasons, including technical, you know, some technical things, Ryan. But I had Christian, I had Justin Rett graded out as a top 150 player. He is closer to just Trish, Christian Gray. I have Micah Bell graded out as a top 100 player just because his speed grade and his playmaking grade and his coverage instincts and all those things grade out really, really high. I mean, really high. Mm-hmm. He, he is the highest of, in my opinion, of all of them in regards to the ceiling. I think yeah. Christian Gray of all three had the highest floor. Agree. I think Justin Rett had the second highest ceiling, but he had, in my opinion, the lowest floor uh, of the three. And so that's kind of to me how I see it shaking out is, is how I think that. But look, either one of these duos would have made us very happy. 100%. So again, we're not going to do the whole, well, he's not another name anymore. He wasn't that good. You, if you'd have been able to get Justin Gray, Justin Rett and Christian Gray in back-to-back classes after getting Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey, that'd be really good. But I'll say this, as far as filling out the depth chart, I think this is why I also like the Micah Bell because Micah Be- Justin Rett to me and Benjamin Morrison are very similar. Christian Gray is very similar. And Jaden Mickey is the different guy, but he's more quick, twitchy, instinctive, and all that. None of those guys are just straight burners. Like, and even Justin Rett. Justin Rett was fast, but he had fast long speed. He didn't necessarily play fast on some other things. He needed some time to build it up. Micah Bell is the he brings a different, completely different element to the corner mix than those other guys, to where you could see a Mickey and a and a Morrison or Gray outside or Bell outside with Mickey inside and those other guys outside with Bell inside. I just think it brings you a lot more. You have a better chance now of matching up against an Ohio State like they were last year or a Bama from 2020 with that alignment than you do with Rhett. Because, again, Justin Rhett's a five-star upside guy, right? I think I'm a a four-and-a-half-star upside guy. But really good, talented player. But there are certain matchups because of the similarities between all your corners that you're going to have a hard time with. When you faced another another Bama 2020 – or another Ohio State 2021, you're going to have some problems because you just couldn't run the way you need to. Sure, This group gives you size with Gray and Morrison. It gives you the really twitchy, competitive kid in Mickey, and then gives you the burner in Micah Bell. And, it, and so if you're playing in Ohio State in a couple of years and they've got similar athletes, or if you're playing a, a Bama, or like what Oklahoma's had with like Hollywood Brown and C.D. Lamb, you now have a, a combo where you can go Mickey and Bell on the field on the same side and have a Morrison or a, or a Gray in the boundary – and now all of a sudden I feel like I can run with you now. Right. Where I, I couldn't in the past. And I don't think I could have felt that way about a red gray combo, in my opinion. Well, I'll say this too. I think Bell, the one cool thing is I fall for these types of corners, to be very honest. Like this is kind of my bias, I guess. Mm-hmm. I love corners that can follow a guy outside and in. Like mm-hmm. it, he is a player 
where no, if you are matched up against, let's take a Jalen Waddle, for instance, right out of Alabama. He is a player, Waddle, where he can line up outside, he can line up inside, and he's a dynamic player no matter where he lines up. Micah Bell is the type of kid that can follow that type of player, right? Mm-hmm. Like he can follow a guy outside and in. And to your point, Brian, even if they come out and they, let's say they have two receivers to one side and they're kind of like a stacked type of look, right? And you have, let's say for argument's sake, for the 2023 version, you got Micah Bell to that side and you got Peyton Bowen to that side, right? Peyton mm-hmm. Bowen's on the inside guy. And they motion the inside guy out. Peyton Bowen rolls over with him. And now you have Micah Bell lined up in the slot. You can do that because – all, every player, and I don't think we've talked about this enough, every player in this class so far, when I talk about Peyton Bowen, especially, Micah Bell, and potentially Christian Gray, they can all play man-to-man coverage. And mm-hmm. having those types of guys is so valuable. Peyton Bowen can roll down and he could play in the slot. I even think Adon Schuler could do a little bit of that, although Peyton's obviously I think would be a little better of a player for that. But the ability to match up man-to-man across the board I don't think you always had that at Notre Dame over the last few years, to be honest with you. I don't think right. you had guys where you were comfortable to put on an island. This, mm-hmm. this That combo, I think, gives you some hope that you have that ability moving forward. Like we've talked about, I think some of Notre Dame's corner combos have been underrated in recent years. And, and, so, and even some of their players like Nick McLeod, who's a good football player, but we saw against teams like Bama and in the rematch against Clemson where – well, even in the first game against Clemson because uh, – Carnell Powell had a couple big plays in that game. If you could play some teams that could just flat out run, Notre Dame was going to have some problems. And that's the point you're making, Ryan. You know, outside of 2018, you really weren't in a situation where you just literally could just say, hey, we can run with you and we can play man. We can just, we can, we can run with you. And having him along with Christian Gray and Benjamin Morrison and to a degree, Jaden Mickey, I would argue Benjamin Morrison or Jaden Mickey. Christian Gray, like one of those three guys are going to be your slower guy. Well, sure. Christian Gray ran a supposedly ran a four four two at Ohio State's camp last summer. That's you know, like Jaden Mickey, a slow guy. Yeah, yeah. Jaden Mickey was a guy that when he got to Notre Dame's campus, I kept hearing from people like some of my sources, like this kid's a lot faster than we thought he was. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's I mean that's the kind of stuff you want to hear. So I mean, there's a chance that Benjamin Morrison, from a forty yard dash standpoint, could be the slowest of the four guys. And he might, and he might still be like a four or five. Low yeah, and he's lead, and right? he's the like, guy that still, still to me, I view as like the best player of the four. You know, just sure. all around player of the four. So that's, I mean, I, that's where you want to be, man. That's really yep. where you want to be. It's a, it's a great place to be, and it's exciting, exciting time for Notre Dame. Absolutely on that. Matt D says Marcus Freeman has definitely destroyed the narrative when it comes to recruiting. This weekend is the potential to be a crazy weekend for our for our fan base. I'm hyped for this. I, I feel bad that the narrative was also created by people that just did not have the initiative to put in a lot of effort, you know, like I feel like for a while it was just because I felt honestly, Matt, like for the longest time before I started covering the team closely, I felt the same way. I was like, Oh man, I I was used to like getting into that funk, like, Oh God, kids don't want to go to school and they don't want to go play in, in South Bend, Indiana and it's cold and blah, blah, blah. And that narrative was created. It was mm-hmm. not. Tr- it was not real. And I think, if anything, Marcus Freeman is. And I love that you say destroyed. He's dispelling that that narrative yeah. never actually existed. It was just something that was created. Right, Ryan. It's interesting you say that. So, like, have you had? I mean, you've talked to a lot of kids, twenty three and twenty four class. Have you heard from any of them yet that that have at all brought up? And you kind of know some of these kids pretty well. That yeah. have kind of that have brought up like, gee, I'm not sure if I can handle it academically, or I'm not sure if I 
if 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 I want to do that or have any shape, form, or fashion used academics as the reason they don't want to come to Notre Dame. No, no, never been a thing. No, nope. right. So I mean, yeah, that's the thing is, like you said, it is being destroyed, and that it needed to be. It it, it couldn't just be something that slowly over time. You just had to come out and say, forget this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you you this is this is an excuse that you're making, and I and I love that you said that without me prompting or asking the question, Ryan, of, you know, before you took this job, you bought into that because why else is that? I mean, it's hard to imagine that somebody that's had the success that Brian Kelly's had would not work at recruiting. And I get that. A lot of people just thought I didn't like him or I was making it up or I was trying to take a shot because right. like, why would he not recruit? And that's exactly the point, but it, uh, man, it was, um, it's fun to watch. I'll say that. For for Different. all the other stuff, man, I'm in, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this very much. I'm it's okay to be excited. Much. I, I okay. love that you keep saying that. I absolutely love that you keep saying that. <laughs> all right, somebody did ask this too. Uh, we got this question from Newt Rockney. Uh, one of the times I appreciate you, uh, Hall of Fame head coach um, Newt Rockney, joining us. Uh, what are the times and schedules for commitments this weekend uh, for Rico Flores, Christian Gray, anyone else left this weekend? So we have that one. There is no yeah. one else left this weekend besides those two that as of right now. And when I say that we know of, I do not, I'm not hinting at anything. I'm just saying some kid could wake up tomorrow and decide he wants to commit. We don't sure. anticipate that, yep. but the only yep. two that we know of right now are, are those two. So you want to handle kind of the wins and players yep. and all this other kind of stuff. Well, you all get a little break tomorrow. There's no, there's no commitment that's going to happen on Saturday that we know. We still have a show. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Still have a show, but there's no commitment show tomorrow as of now. We'll see what happens, I guess. But Sunday, Rico Flores is scheduled to commit. I think it's four o'clock Eastern. Yeah, right I have now? to look at that one. I'm not 100% sure of that one. Yeah. And then on Christian Gray is on July 4th, which is the Monday. And I also think that one is four o'clock, if I remember correctly. If I mm-hmm. have that, that one, one is I four. Believe. That one I'm a little yeah, bit more confident in. Yeah. yeah. I think the Rigo Flores one might may have been up in the air. We'll double check that one for you all, though. So expect a announcement from Rico Flores. He's deciding between Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Georgia. And you have Christian Gray the following day, whose finalists are Notre Dame, USC, LSU, and Ohio State. Did I get those four right? Yes. Notre Dame, yes. LSU, Ohio State, and USC. Yep. Yes. Yep. Those are that's it. You nailed it, man. You nailed it. So those Got are it. the two that we know of. I do fully expect Notre Dame to get at least one or two more commits in July. Uh, we'll just have to kind of see kind of how those go. And we're talking 23, obviously, during that as well. Kenny Moore, I think this is – I want to get your – I'm just going to read the question and get you to respond, Ryan. What Free, Kenny Moore says, what Freeman is doing defensively is recruiting in recruiting is typically only seen down south. It's incredible. I would make one exception. Ohio State. There's been – Ohio State is – we got to – look – I know a lot of us don't like Ohio State, but yep. that is a team that has had uh, up until the last couple of years, like up, I mean, through 2015, especially has, was a team that could go athlete for athlete defensively with any team in the country. Sure. Recently, not so much, but so I'd put them there, but Ryan, please uh, yeah, no, take a shot. Well, at that one. So it's, it's something where it's like a regional thing, right? Kenny, to your point that. You know, it's obviously going to be a little easier for, let's say, an Alabama, Florida, LSU to recruit Southern players because that's a kind of a pertinence in as far as the geography to it, right? But we have seen that recent, at least, well, I mean, pretty historically, that Ohio State also does a great job in that regard. To Brian's point, that's why they have been 
a very good program, right? Like it's not, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not hard to those things. The th- things are simultaneous. You recruit really talented players. We know where the talented players usually come from: Southern schools, Texas, all that good stuff, right? And that is why Ohio State has been successful. I think what Marcus Freeman is showing here is that Ohio State's not the only kid on the block in the North. That is the big thing, mm-hmm. right? And for them to be a potential national power and to be a true national championship contender over the next few years. They need to not only go toe-to-toe from Ohio State, but I do ultimately think they eventually need to surpass them. Like, I think that that mm-hmm. is the the goal that they should have. So, um, yeah, but to your point, they are recruiting like a Southern school because those Southern schools know where the talent's at. And Notre Dame this cycle, they have a five-star from Florida. They have, now have three kids out of the state of Texas. Notre Dame knows where the talent is, and that's that's very obvious in the cycle. The the reality, too, Ryan, is, is look, it is no one has ever said, no one that is worth listening to, has ever said it's easy. It's as easy to recruit at Notre Dame as it is Alabama. I've never said that because it's, it's not true. It is harder. The thing is, it's not too hard where it can't be done. And and that's the thing is, it, and because, and the reason is, is, as Ryan said, that's where most of the talent is. It's easier to recruit when, if most of the elite athletes in the country were in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, and Illinois, Notre Dame would have no problem recruiting the athletes that Alabama and Clemson and teams like that have had no problem. And then some I mean, Southern schools would be in a tougher spot, right? It's, exactly. It's just like a reverse. Exactly. And yeah, that used exactly. to be kind of true because the North could match the South. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, think about the 88 Notre Dame team. I mean, two of the best athletes in the entire country that year were Ricky Waters and, 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 uh, and rocket Ismail, the best corn in the country from 88 to 90 was probably Todd light. They were all from the north. Two, two from Pennsylvania. And Todd Light was from Michigan. You know, he's yep. from Flint, Michigan, and and so I mean, they went down south and got some guys. But I mean, a lot. I mean, Michael Stonebreaker was from Louisiana. Tony Rice was from South Carolina. But there was a lot. I mean, Jerome Bettis was from Michigan. There was a lot more northern athletes. It's just not the case anymore, and that's made it hard. So it is harder. Sure, it's just not too hard to where you can't be done. You got to put in the work, and they've done that, and it's uh, it's been a beautiful thing. It's been a beautiful thing. It's been great to cover. Siggy13, thanks, Ryan and Brian, for the doubleheader today. You are welcome. Uh, ben Tarnowski asks, will he push Tyree for fastest on the team? If we're just talking track, he's already faster than Chris Tyree. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're just talking in a 40-foot race, yeah. right? I, I, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the minute he steps on the campus, I think he's going to have an opportunity to be the fastest player on the roster. Absolutely. He'd have to get slower to not be. Right. That's the thing. Now, can he be their fastest football player? I again, I I think so. I mean, based right. off film, I think so. And that's saying something because Chris Tyree is a game changer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he we've seen it. We've already seen it. And the fact is, is that he won't be the fastest kid on the team anymore when when this kid shows up. Which is again, that's that, that's not like a hey, let's forget about Chris, Chris Tyree is dynamic. Sure. It's, look, the track numbers are what they are, and the film is what it is. This kid and this kid has a little bit more wiggle than Tyree had, which is why he can translate to corner. You know, Tyree's a one cut and go really explosive kind of guy with good patience. This kid is more of a, you know, he can move as well. And that's something else you got to, you got to. Well, and, and and the last question we had before that was about the, you know, the recruiting like Southern schools, right? Like, I mean, think about it, Brian, like a year from now, Notre Dame could have a four, three athlete in Chris Tyree. They could have a four, three athlete in Micah Bell, and they could have a four, three athlete in Peyton Bowen, who literally ran a four, three, eight. Have you, I mean, when's the last time Notre Dame had three legit four, three potential athletes on the team at the same time? Like it's not 
And that's where we're that's where yeah. Notre Dame's moving to. Like that's what the the mission is is getting faster. Right. right. It's kind of fun to think about that. Alan Watson giving us a little NIL money. Happy fourth, guys. Thank you for that, Alan, very, very much. My eligibility's uh, gone, but I appreciate yep. it. Matt Cathon with a super chat. Thank you for that, Matt. He says, How does it look with Micah Tease? Ryan, you just want to give a quick rundown because I know some not everybody's been able to be on the show earlier today. Yes. So if you want to yeah. kind of give a quick rundown of kind of where things are, obviously we're not going to say where, but just kind of where things are in regards to the Notre Dame aspect with Micah Tease. Sure. Yeah. Mike, Mike, so Micah Tease will be announcing on July 4th. He announced it, he announced that earlier today. All we will say is that we will we do not expect it to be Notre Dame, and it is a little bit of an off the wall pick for Mike Tees. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll I don't know how much we'll talk about it, but it's a uh, it's an interesting yeah. decision. We'll leave it at that. People though. will, will want to ask us about it after it happens. I promise 100%. you. Yeah, we will get asked about that on the Tuesday show. I can assure you. Like really? So it's going to be interesting. Yep. Very very interesting. Uh, Toe Jam with a super chat. Toe Jam, thank you also, man, very, very much. Great job so far this week. Have you heard any rumors of a 7-2 commitment? Also, is OJ going to find – wow, okay. Um, not going to read the rest of that. Uh, yeah, don't want to get demonetized. 7-2 uh, commitment, I haven't heard that. I, I've had a bunch of people text me saying that some other show said that there was going to be a surprise announcement on 7-2 and it was a commitment. I, I, I honestly – I like to think I'm pretty plugged in. I've had multiple conversations today, and unless people are just lying to me, uh, I don't expect there to be a commitment tomorrow. Could that change? I guess you know, but that's I don't I don't know of one. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. I, I was going to say, if anybody is out there that's not on the message board, you should commit to joining the message board. <laughs> oh, I dig it. I dig it. All right, let's get down here. Mark E. Stewart. Mark, thank you for the super chat too, buddy. Appreciate it very much. It's always good when we get commits. Let's keep them coming. Yeah, it really is. And it just seems like there was like never really a lull. Like the lull was 23, but not overall because they, in between the time when they got their last 23 commit, who was their most recent before Jagasaw? Who was the most recent 2024 commit? I'm trying to. You mean 2023 commit? Yeah. Was it? Was it? um, Was it? uh, Oh, it had to be um, Elijah Page, right? Elijah Page. That's right. The beginning of June. That that was the most recent one. Yep. And that was like the first week of June, I believe. That was June 7th, or no, uh, June 10th, and that came right before Joe, right after Joe Otting. So they got those two early in June, and then you know 20. 20 days go by before they get um, Charles Jagasaw. And then there's this thought, like, man, it's been a while. It was 20 flipping days, but it felt like Mark, it felt like forever, you know, but, but in that time they got CJ Carr, you know, they got, uh, they got um, uh, Jack Larson. They got Cam Williams. I mean, it's just like, they just been rolling, man. 20 days, is like 20 years of Marcus free. Oh my gosh. It really, really is. Somebody just said something that I got to check on. Hold on a second. I got to check on this because that can't possibly be true. Give me a second. I need to check on this, everybody. This is this can't be true. Give me a second. This is about rankings. So if I'm looking at the 247 composite rankings last year, wow, it is. Notre Dame's class last year, they're two four and on the 247 rankings, 
their class last year, did they have Jabron Payne? Did they add Jabron Payne to that? Should have. I, they count him as a hard commit. So, yeah, wow, okay. So they had Notre Dame's total points last year. They finished with the number seven composite class in the country. Their total points last year for Notre Dame was 275.44. And Notre where are they right now? 269. That's crazy. So they are at 269.96 right now. So I'm going to just add a couple players in there for argument's sake. Let's just for argument's sake say that they get Rico Flores and and uh, Christian Gray. Like I said, just for argument's sake. Okay. Um, let's go here. Rico, Christian. They'd be at 280. So if they get two kids, if they if they finish up the week with two more players, they will be at 280, which means they will already be five points ahead of last year's class, which finished seventh in the country. The thing too is, is they'd be three few, they'd have three fewer players. They'd only have 19 players. And and that's man, that's really impressive. That's really mm-hmm. impressive. And it would they're there if they get those two players. Their numbers, it would put them, it would put them seventh, like they'd be ahead of themselves, right? No, it would put them sixth. They would also pass Penn State's class. They'd have the number if they if they don't sign another player after this weekend, they don't add anybody else. Their 19 players would have a higher grade than last year's number six, number seven recruiting classes, Penn State and Notre Dame, who That's signed true. 25 and 22 kids. So I saw uh, Mace AK put that in there, and I saw that. I was like, there's no way that's – there's no way that they basically almost surpassed that right now. That's, that's crazy. Um, that's a little – that's a little <laughs> – oh, my goodness. And, okay, here, here's just – again, this is – I'm kind of going down this rabbit hole now, right? Let's just say – let's just say – hold on. Let me Let me check this one out now and see if this is true. Yeah, wow. Wow. Okay. If they if they even miss out, yeah, they're they're gonna have a top five class this year. There's no question. About they don't have to they don't have to land them all. Yeah. Okay. They're gonna have top five class. Mace, you you did it to me, man. You got me. You got you you floored me. I, you, you said something. That I was like, there's no way that that can possibly be true. No way that can possibly be true. But it was. He was right. I should not have doubted you, buddy. Should not have doubted you. That's on me. That's on me. Michael says so hypothetically. Let's pull this up. So hypothetically, Notre Dame gets Christian Gray on the fourth. Do do we have a numbers idea for twenty four corner and some names to watch for? Uh, Michael asked this before we did the um, the story about who to know, like uh, what's next. So we did go through some names, Michael. But I think the numbers question we didn't necessarily address. Ryan, what are your thoughts? I, I think to me it's two. I was going to say two. And yeah. if you can get a third, as we said, I want two for sure. But I think the ideal thing for me would be three would be the ideal. I think two is the minimum. You got to get two to feel like you've met your numbers. But they, to me, I really want three. I want two kind of outsideish guys and Eli Bowen. That to me is the class that I want next year. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be good with that. Yeah. yeah. Like if yeah. you're able to get, you know, um, a, a, a Caleb Beasley type and a, either Emilio Agard or Jalen Abakwa or, I mean, you know, somebody like that. Right. And then Eli Bowen. Oh, man. That now all of a sudden you're, you're talking about your cornerback depth chart over a four-year stretch is just absolutely loaded, in my opinion. Yes, it is, yeah. All right, we've got some more down here. Uh, let's see here. That was a good question, Michael. Thank you for that. 
Chris Ayers, Michigan is currently ranked 50th. Two four seven has it with 130.35 points. Just, Great time to be alive, friends. Just had to throw that out there. Had to throw that out there. Uh, Matt D. So Matt D. This is my guy right here. Says I want to make sure you have Mountain Dew to get you through the weekend. I appreciate that, Matt. And then he also gave us another super chat. For, Thanks for the great shows. So this my, my man is is on his anniversary, twenty first anniversary, by the way, everybody. So he's got <laughs> he's got me beat. Ryan, how many how many years have you been married? Five. So Matt's been married longer than the two of us combined. So Angela yes. and I just celebrated our fourteenth wedding anniversary this past April. Oh no. Yeah, 14, 22, 2008. Yeah, it's 2008. I always remember it's the year that Kansas beat Memphis in the Final Four because we had to watch that in hotel. We didn't have to watch that in hotel room. I wanted to watch that in hotel room because um, we were uh, we had just gotten married and we were driving back, uh, moving, going out to Colorado after the wedding. So uh, 14 for us, five for you. So that's 19. Matt's been married for over, and he's a cop. You just don't see that very often. So that's my guy right there, Matt. Thank you very, very much, man. And again, congratulations on uh, your anniversary. And, and I hope that this has been able to be kind of a good day for you. You know, yeah. I mean, Notre Dame goes out and gets, uh, gets a big commitment. You gotta like that. Right. Gotta like that yeah. a lot. Matt has his priorities straight. Man. There's no Respect. doubt. No doubt. Kaiser Soze, uh, appreciate you coming out of hiding to, uh, get this chat to us very much. We appreciate that. What's the word on the Caleb Downs guys? No change. I, I mean, it's, it's, there's obvious interest. He's been in Notre Dame many times at this point. We just I and I don't want to speak for Brian, but I believe it's going to be a very hard pull out of the South and Ohio State's also making a good run at him as well. But I I think it's unlikely still at this point, personally. Mm-hmm. But just me. Agree. I think he likes Notre Dame a lot. I think he likes other schools better. That's just kind of what it down comes down to. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, asks, what D-back have we had that was faster in the past decade? I mean, I would say that the fastest cornerback they've had in the last decade was Troy Pride, right? And yeah. he he was better. For some of the older people, do, do any of you remember what Alan Rossum's times were? Because Alan Rossum was also a, a, a really fast guy. He was, and I, fast. He was I, small, too, though, right? Yeah. He was like 5'8". Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure what his time was, but he would be the only one that I could think of that had as a, a DB that had similar times. I really can't think of anybody else going back between him and Alan Rossum. I don't know if some of the older folks have that, Ryan. I don't know if you're if you're down there if you see that or anything like that, but that's one that I'm that. I'm curious about. Now Ronald Darby would have been in there, and for those sure. when we brought up Ronald Darby earlier, the reason Ronald Darby was brought up. 
for those that maybe don't remember or, or weren't necessarily following it or a little younger because I mean, it has been 10 years already. Isn't that insane? It's so nuts. No, man. He's a, he's a, he's a wily veteran. Yeah. Right now the yeah. NFL. I know. Right. It's crazy. Uh, it's insane. I remember when he was in the, you know, going to, he showed up at, he was at the Under Armour game and that was the year that Snoop's kid was there. Mm-hmm. So Snoop walks in, of course, everybody's, just you or, know, surrounding or, him and Cordell uh, Broadus or whatever yeah, his name yeah, was. Yeah, some, yeah, Calvin, yeah. Calvin, something like that. Broadus, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, but it was uh, the 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 sm- the scent of the area changed when Snoop and his entourage walked by. That's uh, that is for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Ronald Darby was was committed to Notre Dame for a long time. I mean, quite a long time, and flipped late in the process to Florida State because uh, Notre Dame just dropped the ball. Someone just put that. Alan Rossum ran a 10.02. Is that real? I have no idea. Wow. Yeah. If that is true, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to see this. Hold on. So let me see it. Alan Rossum track times. I'm pretty sure he ran like a fourth. Yeah, 10.02. 10.02 at Texas. No, hold on a second. That was, that was in 1993. Yeah. Wow. Hold on a second. That's. That. That's what it says here. The weird thing is. So this he ran a six six eight in the sixty meters, but that was at Notre Dame. That was in sure. college. That was his indoor track time. Yeah, it says right here that at, in Dallas. Oh, another Texas guy. Who who knew? But he ran a ten oh two. That's insane speed. Like that. That is like borderline. Like this guy could no, that's, potentially. That's, a, that's Olympic. He could have developed yeah, into an Olympic guy. That's yeah. especially back in nineteen ninety three. Like that's a fast time now for, yeah, for argument's sake, I'm pretty sure there's only been one player that has broken 10 seconds as a high school. And it was like nine, nine, nine. So like, do you remember who that was? Some white kid that went to LSU. I think I can't remember though. One second. But yeah, that, that is really fast. So this would be the fastest since Alan Rossum, but I remember Alan Rossum being a track guy. I would have thought somebody would have told me like 10, two or 10, three. I, was not expecting 10.02. And of course that was Wikipedia, you know? Mm-hmm. So, man, I hope that's accurate. Matt, Matt, Matt Bowling, he okay. ran a nine, nine, eight. Matt Bowling went to, so he must not have been much of a football player. Cause I don't remember I don't th- that guy. I, I don't think he played football at all. He was I thought you said, guy. I thought you said the last track guy. I thought you meant like football. No, no, player. that's no nine, nine, eight is the fastest anyone has ever run in high school. Okay. In general, so Matt gotcha. Bowling is at is he still at Georgia? Yeah, he's still at University of Georgia. Apparently, he ran nine nine eight in high school. What's he running at Georgia? That's a good question. Faster? Let's take a look. I'm sure he. Uh... Yeah, but that's uh that's really fast. <laughs> looks like nine nine eight still his fastest time, but he's done yeah. it in college now. It looks like that's really really fast. Yep, really 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 fast. That's that's big. All right, let's see if we got any more questions here, Ryan. Um, I'm kind of going through here now. If you see any down at the bottom, if you want to go ahead and grab. Let me see here real quick. Yeah, 10.02. Somebody else just sent me something on that as well. 10.02, that's moving. Um, somebody asked this, Ryan, uh, are we going to finish the 2023 class before fall camp? Somebody kind of asked that earlier. No. Uh, for those that didn't uh, watch it, do you want to just kind of explain who some of the guys are that we think could could take decisions into the fall? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about Jaden Greathouse. We still think that that may be pushed up. I don't know if it'll definitely go into the fall, but there's going to be guys like Samuel and Pemba who's definitely going to be into the fall. We'll see if Notre Dame keeps recruiting Monroe Freeling. We don't feel great about that, but we'll talk more about that at some point. But there's definitely a couple guys Notre Dame is targeting that we expect to take it into the fall. 
now to answer your question, could they be, could the class be done before August or before the season starts in regards to they don't get anybody else? Yeah, sure. I still don't even think – I think that they're going to probably still get a quarterback, and I think that will be something that will probably go into the season. And again, you know, in Pemba, Downs. So I, I, there's a chance they don't land anybody else, but they won't be done recruiting. So I guess it depends on what you define done as. Uh, they won't be done recruiting. They may not get anybody else, but they're still going to continue to try. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Michael Campbell says Tobias Merriweather has track speed too. His his big time track speeds were more than four hundred. I mean, yeah. His his best hundred I think was like a ten nine, which is pretty fast for a six four college yeah. football player. But yep. I wouldn't call that like I mean that's that's a different universe. And um, he had good two hundreds, but he's got he's better in those long strider events. Like Braylon James is really good in the hurdles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 110 hurdles. What was his best? And his, I think we got that same as like a 13. I think it was nine. Like, yeah, some crazy number. Yeah, like something that. in the and, he, and he had and really he hadn't good. done it since eighth grade or something. Right, just, right, yeah. right. This was the yeah he hadn't run hurdles in a long time. So, um, yeah, that's uh that's a little different animal. Here we go. Uh, Michael asks, would be an epic July to finish with Rico Flores, Christian Gray, Jason Moore, Jaden Greathouse, and Ronan Hannafin. Ryan, you want to? Sure yes. Would. Now. I'll say this, Ryan. We do expect all of them. We we think all of them are going to decide in in July. Sure. Uh, you was kind of give an update for those who weren't able to listen to the show every day, just on those those final three guys, or because we've yeah. already talked about Gray, but Jason Moore, Jaden Greathouse, and Ronan Hannafin. Obviously, one of yeah. them is has not made a decision to decide this summer. That'd be Greathouse, but you know we've yeah. we've talked about that. One. Yeah. So I mean, so. Jason Moore to start with, if you're on the message board, I put out that they are aiming to have their commitment announced next week sometime, hopefully, right? So tentatively, we definitely know it's going to be in July. It may be next week, though, for Jason Moore. We'll see what that currently stands. We think Notre Dame's in the thick of that one for sure. We think Notre Dame's in a great spot with Jaden Greathouse. The question has been, when is he going to pop? Because he talked to me a few weeks ago and said, I'm going to keep taking it into the into the fall but we have reason to believe that that might end up moving up but we'll we'll see kind of with with the end result of that and Ronan Hannafin's a guy that hasn't announced a decision to date but we believe that it will also be sometime in July and Notre Dame is also in a very good spot for Ronan Hannafin currently mm-hmm. M- Michael says uh so we could potentially see Brian and Ryan b- bust out the gap eraser t-shirts next year if indeed can pull three of Beasley, Bowen, Agard, Field, and so on. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, you could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if that's kind of what we had said we would do is um, the shirt we would have is gap closed. But that's not going to be for recruiting. The gap's not closed until they win a championship. So that would be when we would rock that one. There's no doubt about it. Does anybody know what Rocket Ismail's 100-meter times were in high school? Like some of the – some of the. Um, had to be fast. The, the older, fast. the older folks, because uh, I remember listening to games growing up, and they would say something like, "Yeah, he's a ten, he's a four two eight, and all this other kind of stuff." This is like when he was a freshman. So I'd be very curious, like what his if if people know what his track times were in high school. If anybody can find that, that'd be that'd be amazing. That'd be really really impressive. Got a couple more down here, Ryan. Uh, let's see here. Mike Huff. Thank you, Mike, for your super chat. Appreciate you very, very much. The Irish are the new big dog in the Midwest. This train is rolling. I would say they are now the other big dog in the Midwest on the recruiting trail. 
Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, I, I still think when you look at Ohio State, what they're doing, uh, my guy Matt Matt D just told me that Rocket was a 10-2 That's in the 100 meter dash, uh-huh. which again speaks to just how fast Alan Rossum was. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. if he was faster than Rocket, that's insane. Uh, I would say that they are the other big dog in the Midwest. On, again, we're just talking recruiting trail. Notre Dame's got a, still a lot to prove on the field, right? I mean, that's the big thing, right? We're talking recruiting right now. They still mm-hmm. got to go out and beat somebody on the field. Sure. Somebody that matters in the field. But yes, from a recruiting standpoint, with what they're doing, with the way they finished 22, due in large part to Marcus Freeman in the defensive class, with what they're doing now and then what they're doing in, in 24, yes, they are the other big dog in the Midwest. I don't see they're not the new big dog. And and, and that could be what Mike means. Like they're new, the new big dog meaning like, you know, they're now number two to Michigan because for I mean Ohio State, because for a long time on from a recruiting standpoint, Ryan, it was Penn State would have the occasional really good class. Notre Dame would have the occasional really good class, but it was Ohio State and then everybody else. And with what Notre Dame has done since Marcus Freeman was hired, I, I do think you can say that Notre Dame is is if they haven't caught Ohio State, which again, let's see this class finish and see where sure. they 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 land when this class is finished. Mm-hmm. But if this class finishes the way that we think it can, then yes, you could say from a just from a recruiting standpoint again, because I know there's sometimes Ohio State fans and. Not all of them that can can comprehend arguments as well as my guy Archer does. Most of them have, you know, they'll hear something and take it a completely different way because they're from Ohio sure. uh, and they're Ohio State fans. So they may they may uh, lose sight of what we're saying, mm-hmm. but from a recruiting standpoint, yes, I mean they're still they have a chance to be that other big dog. There's just a lot that has to happen okay. uh, in regards to the 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 football field part. That's where they're still behind. So we'll we'll have to have to see how that one goes. Here we got another one from um actually I'm gonna, I'm gonna read that one in a little bit. I want to see if I can get to uh to some of these other questions, Ryan, as we as we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Hmm. I'm just trying to get some more. A lot of people kind of asking me the answers. Somebody said Devin Hester ran a 3940. No, he didn't. <laughs> like if he got like a running head start, maybe. Also, I'm pretty uh, sure Devin Hester ran at the combine and ran like four four something. Yeah, yeah. I know. I had I had heard that Bo Jackson ran a sub four in the forty with blocks. With blocks. Okay. Well, with blocks. Yeah. You know, right. again, that could just be legend. What that Ryan explain why that why that is the difference, please, for those who it's, aren't it's, track people. Yeah, I mean, from when you're running a 40 time, like it's from a stationary position. So in track and field, you'll see guys run out of blocks. It's just like an extra pop off the ground, right? Because you always have somebody that's sta- that's sitting behind the blocks that's giving you added pressure. So it's just kind of an extra poop, uh, pop at the beginning of a race. So usually you're a lot faster out of the blocks. Right. So so if you're if you're going to have a guy racing on the 40, two guys of identical speeds, one's starting from the same place, one's out of the blocks, and one's just kind of going off the ground. The guy in the blocks is going to be faster if they have identical speeds. Yeah. Devin uh, Hester just... ran 446 at the combine. Okay. I just want to put that out there. So it probably wasn't a 4-3-9. Half of a second, sir. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We've got another one here from Ber- – we actually got a team question here, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Berkey asks, Howard Cross, has Howard Cross locked down the other D tackle position or is there a battle – who is he fighting for that position for? Berkey, I don't – I mean, as of right now, I anticipate him being the starting nose tackle. But the reality is – and Jacob Lacey would be the other person in that competition. But the reality is they're both going to play. 
and, and I love the way that they have the rotation now. I mean, you know, one guy's somebody has to start, right? I mean, somebody has to start the game. You, you have to put somebody out there, right? But you, you have to kind of say, okay, somebody's got to start. What's the rotation going to look like? What Notre Dame did, I remember in 2017, Ryan, if you remember this, uh, the starters were, were Jerry Tillery and Jonathan Bonner. And then the the, the kind of guys off the bench in seventeen it was it was it was basically Myron Tungavaloa and Kurt Heinisch essentially were the rotation guys, so mm-hmm. Tillery and and um, and Bonner would start, but then for the most of the game Tillery would be in with like Heinisch, and Bonner would be in with Tungavaloa Mosa, so that one of your starters was one of your younger guys. It wasn't like both of your backup inside guys were in the field together. Um, some teams will do that. So there may be a lot of times where the number two nose tackles on the field at the same time with Jason Adamiola. You could see it like that. Um, and sometimes you could have both backups. I noticed last year, like Notre Dame early in the year was putting their entire second team off defensive line on the field. And a lot of times that's when they would get gashed. You don't want to just do like a mass substitution of your second group, unless it's just insanely good, which we could actually see here in a couple of years with this D line. Um, but, uh, you know, normally that's kind of how, how that goes. And um, that, uh, you know, they're going to play. But it's going to be Jacob Lacey. It's going to be Jacob Lacey and and, uh, Howard Cross in some capacity battling each other. So uh, Antoine asked this, Ryan. Antoine Mm -hmm. uh, Porsche Rideau, what did Dion run in the – do you know what Dion did in the – Yeah, I I know this off the top of my head, actually. He ran 4-2-9. which he ran four two nine and then just kept running out of the stadium. So he ran through the tunnel and didn't do anything. Do remember that? Yeah, I was remember. I remember that, that vividly because he told the story. I think on like NFL Network at one point or something. Was he the one that, um, like, just kind of got out of the limo? Is this the story? Yeah, that he the, just kind of got the, out of the limo. The limo. Well, no, no, no. The, he, so he ran out of the stadium and the limo picked him up. Okay. <laughs> I, somebody told me like he just like kind of walked in in sweatpants and then just went and ran this great forty time and and, and all that. So you know how these kind of these legends grow. But yeah, Dion yeah. was. Um, Dion was like 6'2", 200-something pounds. Too, yeah. That, dude. Like, it didn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> yeah, that was just nuts. So I'm going to pull up this last question here, Ryan. Um, oh, first of all, John Zabrowski. Uh, Brian, do you see any O-line moving to D-tackle to give us more depth? I don't think they have any issues with depth at defensive tackle. Because, you know, again, right now they already have Jason Adamiola. They have Riley Mills, Jacob Lacey, Gabriel Rubio, Jason Onye who they like a lot. Donovan Hines shows up. That gives them six right there. Riley Mills can play inside. We saw that a little bit during the spring. Alexander Ehrensberger at times in the spring played inside. Uh, Tyson Ford played some inside this year. So between the six that they have, uh, you know, I, I think it's a situation where I don't think there's a need for them to have to move anybody. They'd have to me, they'd have to suffer multiple injuries, in my opinion, Ryan, to have a need to move somebody else. Uh, I agree at that point in time. So, and, and you also you also have a guy like Riley Mills who could always move inside as well too to give right, you some reps right, there, right? So, right, yeah, yeah, yep. All right. Uh, the question that was asked earlier was from Antoine Porsche Rodeau. It says, "Let's say Notre Dame gets a commitment from Dante Moore. How high would Notre Dame's overalls numbers be?" So, That's I basically question. added the players I think they're going to get, mm-hmm. and I did not add the guys that would be upsets. Or and I did not add Samuel and Pemba because I think it's just too early for him. Let's just say they got Dante Moore and then they got the other players I think that they're going to get, like guys that Ryan and I just believe they're the current leader for. Mm-hmm. So not a single upset other than you know where, where Dante is. They'd be 301.77 is where they'd be. 
as a class. And that doesn't, again, that doesn't include Samuel and Pemba. It doesn't include like Caleb Downs. It doesn't include like, you know, as, as Ryan said, like Monroe Freeling or anything like that. If they got, if they got Samuel and Pemba, that would then bump them up to 307. The 301 uh, without that's taking Pemba out. If they got Dante, that 301 seven, seven without any of the other upsets would, would rank them fourth last year ahead of Ohio state. Mm-hmm. So they, they would have the number four class last year, just behind Georgia it would rank them third in 2021. It would rank them fourth in 2020. It would rank third in 2020 in 2019. It would rank them third in 2018. Uh, and this is kind of what we were talking about earlier. It would rank them third in 2000 17 ahead of Georgia behind Ohio State and Alabama. It's funny seeing the same teams over and over again. It would rank them second in 2016. And if they got in Pemba, it would rank them first in 2016. So it would rank uh, third in 2003. And that's so that's with Dante Moore. So um, if you were to replace him, if you take him out, they're 294. That's still really high. Yeah. If you replace him, and I'm going to just add a quarterback. I'm not going to say who it is, but I'm just going to rank a guy that's like in the top 200s. It, w- it wouldn't bump him up that much. It'd be like 296, 297-ish area. So, yeah, they, they'd not, they'd have to land a quarterback that's solid, and they'd have to pull off an upset somewhere. So let's just say they got Samuel and Pemba, mm-hmm. right? And and then, then they also got the okay quarterback. That puts them at 302, which, again, is in that category. So they're going to have to pull off an upset and get a quarterback to, 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 for this class to reach its full potential without Dante Moore. But even without Dante Moore, it's a top five class like year after year after year. And, you know, that's, again, that's the quality of that you want this group to be. Yep. So it's exciting. It's very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> so that was, that was, I believe the final question. Let me just kind of go through here real quick and make sure that we don't have any other uh, super chats or any other um, questions that we just, we just can't miss that just pop out. I don't see any more super chats, Ryan. I think we got to all those. If we missed your yeah. super chat, it wasn't on purpose. I'm going through them. I've gone through it twice to make sure we had them. Uh, it was not intentional, and I apologize in advance if that is the case. But I do think that we got them all here at this point in time because I missed Mike Huff's about the big dog in the Midwest at first, and I was able to see that one earlier on the run through. So that is mm-hmm. going to do it for today tonight's show, everybody. Uh, Matt D says, hey, you will not be disappointed. Join the message board, IB message board. No clickbait, just straightforward information. And we have some fun too. Uh, but you're right. There will be no, there will be no uh there will be no clickbait because people ask why? Because we don't get paid for advertising on the message board. I've made the message board ad free. And so I if two people click on a story or five thousand people click on a story, it doesn't matter. It's it's about memberships. And the only way you can really grow a membership company, in, in my opinion, the right way is reliable information. If they don't trust you. They're not going to pay their hard-earned money to be on it. And so that's why we do what we do. So I appreciate that, Matt, very, very much. And Ryan, that's going to be it for the show, man. Uh, big pickup. I mean, I know that we kind of went into the mailbag and those other kind of things, but this is a big pickup for Notre Dame, man. And we just... We would be amiss if we didn't wrap the show up with just a reminder of just how important and how impactful getting Micah Bell is for Notre Dame. Absolutely. No, he, uh, it's a great day because you're continuing, obviously, the momentum of the last few days going towards the, the July 4th date. But 
He is a player of a position that, like you said, Notre Dame needed to hit the, the ball out of the park as far as talent is concerned. They get the first cornerback in the class. They have a chance to cap off cornerback in a couple days as well with Christian Gray. But Micah Bell has massive upside, and it's at a position where you need to continue to add talent and speed, and that is what Micah Bell is going to bring to Notre Dame football, as well as being a great young man. Irish Chi-Town did ask if there's going to be a show on July 4th. Uh, we will have a show. We'll at least go live at 4 o'clock that day, and that is when Christian Gray is going to make his decision. So we'll at least go live then. Uh, and then as regards to, like, will there be a 1 o'clock show, I'm not sure yet. I, I really want to be able to give these guys the fourth off. And it's going to be uh, probably me and Sean, uh, Sean Davis, for the uh, the show for um, uh, for Christian Gray. Because I want Ryan and I want Vince and I want Styers to be able to enjoy the fourth. Uh, we're not going to have an IB Nation sports talk on Monday either. I want them to be able to spend time with their families. And Sean Davis wants to come on because he really wants to be there for uh, for uh, Christian Gray's announcement. So he he has agreed to come on. Uh, but I want to give the guys the rest of the time off. So we will not probably not have any other shows. If we do something, it may like Ryan and I may kind of think of a topic we want to discuss for Monday. So we may like record it on Sunday, but I, I and I don't see that happening. I really want these guys to kind of have the weekend off to to uh, spend time with their their fam their families. So um, you know that's kind of that's kind of where they're at at this point in time. So, Ryan, that is going to do it, man. And uh, very busy week, but we're not done yet. We're going to be back tomorrow uh, at, at one o'clock, most likely one o'clock Eastern. But that's why I got to hit that notification bell. Uh, Sean and I will be back for our, our TCF show. We're we're hoping to have a couple of the recent commits on the show with us uh, as to talk during the recruiting section. Then, we'll, of course, we'll have uh, a lot to say about some other things. We'll we'll clearly talk about some Notre Dame team related topics. We'll dive a little bit into the conference expansion and just some of our thoughts on that. So. Tomorrow's show is going to be a lot of fun. We'll be back on Sunday as well for Rico Flores' decision. I believe somebody said that's at 3 o'clock, Ryan. So it'll be like noon three. Pacific and then 3 o'clock. But, again, folks, that's why you need to listen to what Matt D says. It's his anniversary, right? So you're doing it for him. Hit that like button. Hit the hit, hit the, hit the like. Hit the notification bell. Hit the, hit the share. Subscribe. All that good stuff, right? And the reason that it's good to hit the notification bell, because if you get turn notifications on, However, you receive the notifications when we go, when we put a show up, it'll let you know that we're going live. And that's why it's important to have that. So um, that's why you have that on. So as always, everybody like subscribe, share notification bell, sign up for the message board, buy the merch, all that good stuff. Uh, so that way you can enjoy everything that we're doing here at Irish Breakdown. So for Ryan, I'm Brian. Have a great rest of your night, everybody. And we will talk to you again tomorrow on the Irish Breakdown podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com